The Gospel reading is from Luke, the third chapter, verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. Here ends the Gospel reading. You brood of vipers! I'm not just quoting John the Baptist. I'm talking to you. Yes, you and me. We are all vipers. No matter what we do, we will always be sinners. No matter how many good deeds we do, we will never become righteous enough to earn our way to the kingdom of God. So what shall we do? John the Baptist offers some helpful advice in this week's gospel reading for the third Sunday of Advent. What should we do? It is the very question that the people ask John the Baptist. Luke tells us that John comes from the wilderness. John emerges from the wilderness to preach, but his message is a hard one. He offers a baptism for the forgiveness of sin, but when people come to receive it, he probes into their motives with a hot, white rhetorical knife. They are, in his words, a brood of vipers, snakes ready to slither away when told to put others first. And as they run, they'll shout over their shoulder the feeble defense that because they are children of Abraham, they should be given special consideration. John is not having any of this. He questions their sincerity. Now they're worried. They came to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, what then should we do, they ask? John replies that there are, in fact, some things that they might be able to do to mitigate the toxic effect of their sinfulness. First, he says, if you have two coats 
another has none, give one of your coats to that person. There, see, it's easy peasy. Oh, and if you have more food than you need, give some of your excess to those who are hungry. Unlike in Matthew, where John's audience is made up primarily of Pharisees and Sadducees, in Luke, the audience is an eclectic one. Observant Jewish common folk, hated tax collectors, and soldiers representing the Gentile occupying army of Rome are all in attendance. Having heard from the common Jewish folks, we now hear from the tax collectors. What about us? What should we do? Well, John says, don't extort money from the taxpayers you are assigned to collect taxes from. Collect only what you are assigned to collect and be content with your commission. And now, much to everybody's surprise, even Roman soldiers want to know, what about us, they ask. And again, John demonstrates that his message is an inclusive one. God's grace is for the Gentiles, too. And they too need to change their ways. Stop brutalizing and bullying the people you have been sent to serve and protect, he says. Don't take money from the citizens through threat or force. Do your job well and proudly and be content with your wages. And now we should constantly be asking, what then should we do? One of the primary ways we celebrate the coming of the Christ is through repentance and turning away from our self-absorbed, self-centered attitudes that focus all of our attention and resources to the service of our own wants and needs. Even if that message has escaped those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ as they hustle and bustle through the season, it has not slipped past the multitude of nonprofit and charitable organizations that populate our country. Most of us are receiving weekly or even daily direct mail or email solicitations from these organizations. Charity commercials tell you that for a small dollar contribution, you can stop hunger, help literacy, provide medical solutions. Suddenly, there is hope. You know the solution to this problem. Just pay some money. Corporations, too, remind us that they have given large donations to worthwhile charities and try to convince us that they have more in common with Ebenezer Scrooge that we meet at the end of the Christmas carol than the one at the beginning. And further, if you buy a car from them, they will give some of your money that you spent on the car to one of their favorite charities. I'm not saying that these charities groups are bad. Most of them do very good and valuable work. The real problem is not quite so easy to see, and it is this. The real problem is that no matter how much we give, there are still going to be another solicitation in the mail, another commercial on TV at this same time next year. The money we give isn't solving the problem. It's mitigating it but the problem goes on and on. It never seems to end. There's nothing wrong with giving money to charity. It is, in fact, a good thing to do, and I commend it without reservation. Please, please be generous with your giving as we move deeper and deeper into the seasons 
of Advent and Christmas. Give as much as you can afford to give, and know that sometimes a small gift is just as helpful as a large one. Companies who hand out gifts and grants sometimes ask not how much money the charity has raised in the past year, but how many donations they have received from donors. Your $5 gift counts as one gift the same as Daddy Warbucks' $1,000 gift. In reality, however, our gift, be it $5 or $1,000, is solving only the immediate problem. That's good, but we can't be satisfied that solving today's hunger is enough for the people of God. We must also be attentive to the needs of tomorrow and next week and the next year. John calls us to be generous in our giving, and certainly to give half of what you have to those who have nothing is generous. But if we look closely, we realize that John is insisting on more than one generous gift. In reality, he's calling upon us to change how we live. I have two coats, and I see a person who has none, so I give one of my coats to that person. Now, what are you and I probably going to do? We're going to go to Target or wherever they have coats on sale right after Christmas, and we're going to replace that coat we just gave away. Only then, what do we have? Two coats, right? And the world being what it is, people are still without coats. This means that we can't just stop with that one coat we gave away before Christmas. John's admonition to charitable living has no ending. It goes on and on. We are called not just to address the issues of want and need in our world, but to solve those issues. Luke is calling us to never have more than one coat while others are cold and exposed. He is calling us to never hoard more food than we need while others go hungry. He is telling us to accept the money we have earned honestly, but no more, to treat people fairly and with dignity, no matter how powerful we are. This, says the Gospel writer, is how we prepare for the advent of the Christ child. We need to accept the fact that God does not only want the dollar we put in the red kettle, or the $10 we put in the offering plate, or the $20 or $100 check we write to the homeless shelter. Those are very kind and helpful, but that is not all God wants of us. God does not want 50% of our money. God wants 100% of us. But as I said in the beginning, we are all a brood of vipers. We will never be willing to give 100% of ourselves. Many of us fool ourselves into thinking that that is possible, but self-centeredness, self-interest, and selfishness always creep in. So what should we do? We try again and again to reach that 100% to put others before ourselves, to choose leaders that will serve without worrying about self-interest, but with humility, serving the needs of everyone in the world, to try and affect social changes that will do more for society to solve the problems we face. Not because we will get to 100%, but because it is the right thing to do, and because of the very reason we celebrate Advent and Christmas. 
God came to us as Jesus the Christ to save us from our sinfulness. It is God's grace through Christ that will make us fully righteous. And so we resolve this day and every day to live as children of God, baptized by the Spirit, giving of ourselves for the needs of others, in gratitude for the new life we have been given. Amen.